Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 55 of the Speaking Club podcast. Here's my modern twist on a well-known motivational quote by Rabindranath Tagore. You can't cross the sea merely by standing and staring at the water, unless you're in a glass-bottom boat. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching, and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Welcome to the show. It's a bit of a milestone this week because it's been 12 months since the first episode of the Speaking Club podcast. And if you've been a listener for that time, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sticking with the show. I hope you've enjoyed it and got value out of it. And if you're new, well, you've got a lot of catching up to do. I have another great guest for you today. And I find this is an interesting one because there are lots of people who call themselves motivational speakers. But I believe it's probably the one category of speaker where the title has to be bestowed upon you rather than self-designated. And in the case of uh, this week's guest, it was her audiences calling her motivational and inspirational that pushed her to take up the label. And Joy Marsden transitioned from a successful career in marketing and trade relations where she was working for brands like Dolmio and Uncle Ben's to start her own business. And over the past 14 years, she has become an in-demand keynote speaker, an author and a coach. And her Keep Stepping book, talks and workshops have helped many people deal successfully with change and challenge. And there are value bombs aplenty in this show, and I know you're going to love it. And if you're a regular listener, I'd love it if you could leave an honest rating and review about the show. Uh, Or if you're a first time listener and you like it, do the same. And hit subscribe now so you don't miss out on the great content I've got coming up. Okay, let's go over to Joy. Joy Master, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Sarah. Excellent. Now, Joy, the first thing... And I've got lots to talk to you about today. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is how you ended up doing what you do today. What what does that journey look like? Well, it's quite mixed, actually. I started off as a technical textile designer. And I did that for 12 years. Had a bit of a career break for both my boys. I had two, two lovely young boys. And then I went back into the textile trade. And when I went back in, you know how sometimes you just you just know in life that things don't fit anymore. It's at 24 hours and it's, it's a rag trade. It really is a tough trade to be in. I loved it, but it just didn't fit. And I thought, do you know what? Go get a job, fit around term time with the boys, which is what I did. And I ended up in a management training consultancy. So okay. that was where, that was kind of the start of things, I think. I wasn't there to do any training, of course, because I had no background in that. I was there simply to take um, presentations and move them from the old acetates into PowerPoint. Uh, and that was, I started looking at the material. I loved it. I was thinking, promise there's great gaps in here. And the director was, he agreed with me. And I said, can I do some research? And, and eventually I went on the field and I thought, I love this idea of working with people. And I was fascinated by the fact that you had middle managers there and top managers there. And there were people who were managing people because they were skilled. So they got to that level because they were skilled technically but they weren't skilled from a people perspective. And I, I, I was fascinated by that gap. So I thought, ooh, I, I like this. I might come and do this one day. <laughs> and all the trainers working were all self-employed. And I thought, I'd I, I quite like to do this one day. But I wasn't 
I wasn't skilled to do it. I, I thought I need more experience. All I knew was the factory floor in between the client factory floor, that type of uh, uh, experience. So I thought I need, I, I could do with being in the corporate. So I sent 60 letters out to 60 different companies that I'd like to work for, basically saying, you need me. Uh, and Mars wrote back and said, we think we could <laughs> have you. And I was like, okay. Um, and I worked as marketing coordinator. So I did things like uh, coordinating crafts because Pedigree used to sponsor crafts at the time. Um, but I don't have a dog and I don't like dog food. So I interviewed out of that quite quickly and <laughs> ended up with Don Mio. So ended up being marketing executive for Don Mio, latterly trades, trades relations manager for Uncle Ben's and Don Mio and Seed Change. And then I left there and set up my own business. So what's trades relations, did you say? Trade relations is um, looking after all the external comms for, oh. for food brands. So all the radio interviews, all the journalist interviews, that type of thing. You know, bit way you get sued if you get it wrong. Oh. <laughs> and, and you had something to do with that famous Dolmio advert, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. It's the famous Dolmio. It is an award-winning ad. Yeah, we launched that in 2004. So, yes, they've just changed it in the last year. So, oh. so it's not quite the same campaign but it did run for 14 years so which is very long for a campaign brilliant and so tell me about your your business the, the business you do today what's that how does that look like what does it look like well the business i do today is really around personal developments um uh, mainly on the softer skills and self-leadership self-management that type of thing and i work with uh organizations just 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 helping them to deal with helping individuals mainly to deal with um, change and helping teams to be able to communicate uh, engage more effectively and helping them to engage with either their clients their customers or their patients depending on who I'm working with so that's that's it in a nutshell and you do that through obviously through speaking that's a big part of it are there other angles do you work one-to-one as well with people yeah. Yes. So I do, I, I do keynote speaking. I do a lot of workshop training. So, so sessions might be an hour long. It might be 90 minutes or they might be all day. Sometimes it's three day course. It depends what the client's looking for. I also do one-to-one tend to be with a lot of directors, um, chief execs. And I also have online courses as well that people go through and I do coaching within the online course. Brilliant. So tell me about your speaking. Now you define yourself as I read I think as a motivational speaker why did you choose to define yourself as that because you could be something else business speaker so on yeah I could but my clients kept calling me that Um, (laughs) they kept saying she's motivational she's inspirational and you know when people are looking for me that's what they that's what they google and I thought it's it's a strange term and and as a speaker you say never call yourself a motivational speaker but that's how my clients refer to me and because they refer to me I think um, for want of um, the best thing you can do as a speaker is to know yourself know yourself and know how clients relate to you and how you can best serve them I have um, an ability to put energy into a room and speak into the hearts and the minds of people. To my mind, that is what a motivational speaker does. Business speakers slightly different. Um, I'm not just a conveyor of information. Cool. Um, I want it's more than that. So, you, so would you say a motivational speaker, in in your terms, 
gets people to act afterwards or would you, would you say that's different or do you all, should all speakers aim to get people to take action as a result of their talk yeah all speakers should aim to take to get people to take action otherwise you've wasted their time i think they they need to think differently behave differently act differently do something differently otherwise why are we there um, but i think a, a motivational speaker has an ability to speak right into the heart of the person that's listening um, and I think that they leave feeling not just, um, yeah, I should go away and do something, but inspired by it in some way. They feel different. It's difficult to explain until you see the people afterwards, um, but they're inspired by something that they've seen. Um, and it's not just what comes out of your mouth, it's, it's you. It's how you are. Um, so it involves all the senses, if you like. So I think it's interesting because I mean I, I I understand what you mean. I think it's that emotional connection that you make, and it's about when you're talking about beliefs people have, yes. when you can break down and rebuild beliefs. That's when people have the biggest aha moments, and I think that's probably what you're talking about in the way that you yeah. affect people. Yes, I, I think so, and it's not just a, that that I want to see. I'm not I'm not a speaker who has a story, a ha, you know, a, a really harrowing story about oh my gosh, you know, I was abused when I was, ah, you know, I don't tell my sad stories from the stage. So it's not a case of, of being emotional in that way. I do it through fun, laughter, through being real, and real is my kind of key thing. Yes, it does come up a lot. And I do want to talk about stories and being real. But I want to just step back to when you started your business. Did you start speaking straight away? Or was that something that you built up to as as your business journey evolved? No, I evolved into it. I started as a trainer because that's what I knew. I worked with a management training consultancy and that's, that's what I knew. And actually I started with, with, with the, the subjects that I knew as well. So I, my, my background was in marketing. My background was, it was technical. Uh, so I knew a lot about working between the client and the factory floor because uh, that was you know, the client would say I want this type of fabric and I would make sure work out whether the machinery could do it I, I, I worked that's what I worked in the middle of the two and I loved it and also uh, in marketing I was I was head of PR I, I knew how to work with journalists I was media trained I, I, I knew all of these things and I said well how do you how do you put these together so that's what I started to do I worked with entrepreneurs who were trying to set up their own business and how do you market yourself? How do you look at what you're doing? How do you, how do you set yourself apart? So I started with what I knew um, and I loved it. And I worked with the old, um, you probably, everybody's heard of them, Business Link. Ooh, oh, yes. Think about it. Um, but I worked with them and, and basically, um, I think that they're, they're in a different guise or don't exist now. But basically the things that they used to train, they used to give you this module to train. I, I hated it. Um, and I... Um, I, I thought, well, um, I, I should just tweak that a little bit, do my own thing. And I like writing things. <laughs> I'm very creative. So I used to tweak it and basically ended up with a completely new thing that was completely mine. And I was getting more people coming into my workshop than any other workshop. So they started to ask me to write for them. Uh. So I wrote quite a lot of workshops. I didn't realize I could write until they <laughs> they asked me to but i loved doing it and of course because i was writing it, i knew the material more so i was one of the busiest 
And then I realized, you know, this is fine and it's great, but this, my vision and for what I should be doing is bigger than this. And if I don't get out soon, I'm going to be known for this and there's more to me than this. And I think that's really important for speakers to know. You've got to know where you're going, where you're heading and where you want to end up. And sometimes, and I've done this three times in my life, sometimes you have to leave money on the table in order to move on to the next thing, um, which is what I did. I thought I, I could have had more business. And I thought I have got to move on. So, yeah, so, and, and, and the moving on is really kind of moving on to the next stage in your development. What is that next thing that's going to challenge you, that's going to cause you to step up, cause you to step out, and cause you to stand out? Brilliant. So you mentioned vision. You know, you had a bigger vision. What was that vision that you had? Where were you wanting to end up with, with you, you know, with your business, with your, yourself, basically? Do you know, I've always wanted to. I, I love the great um, speakers. I love Les Brown. I love Zig Ziglar. I love the great, the motivational speakers. And I used to listen to them just for my own <laughs> development, just my own, to be inspired by them. I was always fascinated by the messages that they brought were really messages from within them. And I loved that idea. And I thought, I have to build something that is from me. Um, that is that is me uh, and I'd always know that it took me a long time to find it <laughs> but I'd always known that and I'd always wanted to be a motivational speaker funnily enough um, I believe I am and it seems a bit um, ooh, look at you to say that but you just got to know yourself <laughs> um, that's who I am I'm not a business speaker although I do a lot in business um, but they bring me in because they want that motivational edge that's what they want uh, so that's what they bring me in to do and I think, I think it's, you know, I think, I don't know if it's because it's a woman thing, but you, you have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe, you know, you, you, you know, we all have this imposter syndrome, but you clearly are great at what you do. And, and if you don't believe it, no one's going to buy it, are they really? Exactly. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, for a long time, it didn't happen. People, people would be like, oh, my gosh, you know, I couldn't share the dream. I think people would laugh at me. Uh, but sometimes there are some dreams you do share and some you don't. Uh, and, and I just thought it's bigger than this. I know it's bigger than this, but I'm going to keep going and actually keep going. Keep stepping. Uh, step, keep stepping is about my life. It, it, that's what I had to do. I was I was about six, seven years into the business before it really turned a corner. Uh, so it, I really did need to believe that what I was doing was <laughs> was the right thing. And so how long, so was it six or seven years until you got your first speaking, paid speaking gig, or when did that come in the journey? Well, no, no, my speaking, I, I, oh, it was probably after the first three years, actually, that somebody asked me to speak, and it was one of my clients. I was still doing Business Link at the time. They said, actually, we, we needed to speak. And I was like, okay. And I did this speech and I realized the disciplines were quite different. I thought, ah, oh, hang on a minute. This is, this is different. <laughs> um, and that's when I, I Googled, you know, who, who yeah, where are other people that do this? <laughs> and that's when I found the professional speaking association. I'm sure we'll come on to that. Yeah. Um, but I realized it was different. And I thought you're going to need to mix with other people and learn something slightly different to, to be able to do this well. Uh, so so that that I knew was different but I liked I loved uh, speaking one-to-many loved it 
So I love interacting and I love doing the, the, the workshop-y type things. And I do both today. I would say I'm probably 50-50. And that changes every single year. Last year, I was probably 70% keynotes, 30% workshops. This year, I'm about 50-50. I'm about the business model changes every year, dependent on the clients and what they want. Um, and I'm changing the business model as well because sometimes the requirements of your clients are different. So I think that's, that's very important for every speaker as well. We need to know what's out there and, what, and how people want to work. And so when you said you listened to Zig Ziglar, was it before that first speech that you were listening to those guys? Or once you realised, ah, oh, I need to make some changes in the way that I do this, was it after then? No, before. I listened to Zig Ziglar long before I even started speaking. Long before I even started setting up my own business. Uh, I used to love listening to speakers like that and, and Les Brown and I used to love it. So way before I even started setting up my business, I was listening to people. Brilliant. And I think, you know, people, if you do want to be a great speaker, these are the types of people that you need to be, you know, you need to learn your craft and learn the history of your craft. And this is, this is really the history, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it is. And I have a lot of their own books as well as to what they felt was important to them. And I, I believe as well that, you know, America is just way ahead of the UK in terms of the, the industry is, is, has been running for such a long time there. And that's where you can learn a lot. I know America is different and I know the clients are slightly different, but we're all human, we're all people. Uh, but I think there's a lot to be learned from countries who have been doing it um, for a lot longer than we have. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Now, I want to talk about your book. Now, where did writing the book, Keep Stepping, come in your speaking journey? And what difference has it made, if any, to your speaking career? Okay. Well, I started uh, speaking about things that were in me. And I have a few sayings and different things that I would say continually. And keep stepping, you know, got to keep stepping, you got to keep going, was one of those things. And I didn't realize I was saying it until my. I, I do have a lot of delegates that write to me afterwards. Um, they talk about things, they write to me sometimes a year afterwards, sometimes several months afterwards, and they'll put a little, you know, I'm really struggling with this, can you help? Or they'll put to me on social media and they would hashtag keep stepping, or they would always put, I'm keeping stepping, I'm doing it, I'm stepping up, I'm stepping out, I'm standing up, I'm doing it, Joy. And I was like, and that's what I'm saying all the time, but th that was consistent. And I thought, there must be my branding. Because I was saying it and saying it and saying it, and this is what they were remembering. So I thought, you need to capture that. So I'm very much of the, I like to research. I like to test things out. I'm always writing new things. I'm always crafting new stories. I test things out with audiences. I like to test them out with very different audiences. I work in very different uh, industries. So I tested it, tested it, tested it. And everywhere I did this keep stepping stuff, it worked. I thought, right now I must write it into a book. And so I did. And the book really was to, A, partly protect the branding, say this, this is something that I've developed, and also B, as a follow-up for my clients. Um, and I have to say, it took, unbeknown to me, I didn't know it was going to do this, but it took my business to a whole new level because suddenly my business was branded. And how long did it take you to write the book? Was it just generally sort of, uh, you know, pulling everything that you'd been doing and talking about so it was quite easy or was it still a challenge? No, it's still a challenge. I actually don't like writing books. I'm writing another one at the moment. I don't like it. <laughs> um, 
I was training, uh, using the model for about two years before I decided to put it into a book. And writing the book took, well, I don't know, I say about nine months of consolidating everything that I've, and I don't know, it was just, everything I do is really, really simple. So I wanted the book to be an easy read. There is nothing complicated about what I do, deliberately so. And I wanted it to be an easy read and come across as an easy read. And actually one of the best compliments I've had from the book so far is uh, a lady that I'm coaching. She's on the online course at the moment. And I was doing a first coaching session with her. And she, <laughs> she just said, you know, Joe, I'm talking to you now. She says, I'm just laughing in my head. I said, why is that? And she said, well, she says, your book, I just remember you, your book is Jamaican because I use my Jamaican language in my, in my book and in my keynotes. And she said, I, I'm thinking Jamaican, but you're talking to me as in, in English. <laughs> and she said, I, I think of you as, as your book, um, because that's in the book as well. So everything, I, a lot of what I teach is in the book. And uh, she said, it's funny speaking to you now, she says, because I think of you as that's how I think of you. <laughs> so I thought, ah, oh, good compliment. I made it. I did, <laughs> I, did I was trying to put the essence into the book and it, it worked. You got in her head, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is great which is great so, yeah. excellent and now you talk about self-management self-leadership and self-mastery could you give me your distinctions between them yeah well self-management management is really about the way that you manage yourself through circumstances self-leadership is around the way that you lead yourself and also lead other people because you've got to recognize you're leading yourself anyway in some guise but you know you're, you're so effectively you're leading other people as well but how do you you know that visionary part of you where are you taking yourself to where are you leading yourself in, in, in your game plan and self-mastery really is is a kind of like having mastered the two you're, you're now really working on those skills of standing out for all the right reasons your honesty your integrity truth trust openness that kind of thing which you can relax when you've got the other two down but you can't if you haven't. <laughs> um, so, so what I find is I work with lots of people from very different levels of life. Um, and I work with a lot of people at the top of their game. And, and what I hear is, do you know, everybody's scared. Everybody's running scared. Everybody needs help. Those that ask for help um, are the ones that usually, usually are the best. Those that realize they can't do it on their own. And uh, they, when they when they know themselves then they're able to kind of let go and start to lead and when they start to lead effectively they can start to be as open and as honest as they like and people will still follow brilliant okay cool thank you for that and what are i'm going to put you on the spot here what are the top three tips you can give us today for being successful in life Ooh, i would say i would say know yourself be yourself and be prepared to serve other people. Cool. So know yourself, be yourself, and be prepared to serve other people. Nice ones. I like those. Excellent. Okay, now I want to talk about your speaking. How do you prepare for your talks? What's the process that you go through? Right, okay. Well, that's a long one, actually. And it's different every time. Because uh, I am a very, I've been speaking, well, I've been running the business now for 14 years, so I've delivered thousands of speeches but I still practice. <laughs> I still, I still say, say it, speak out loud. Uh, you cannot practice them in your head. That's, that's for sure. Um, 
and then go out go in front of an audience and expect it to be okay <laughs> uh, you really do need to talk out loud i think um when i've got something new i will always test it on an audience because there's no other way of testing it uh, I'll bring something new into something that I'm already doing, see how it went and thing. And, and sometimes you bring things in just naturally, don't you? That just come out and you think, oh, that worked really well, write, write it down. <laughs> um, so I'm always thinking about new things. I'm always thinking about new ways of doing things. I mean, I, I want to say always, I mean always. Um, because audiences are different every single time and audiences are changing every single time. Uh, millennials of today will be your bookers of tomorrow. So engaging your audiences is really key. You cannot just stand and share information. You can't. So you've got to find out ways in, in which you can do that, ways that you can do it as you. Um, and that's, so I'm always looking for a new way. To, and it's not gimmicky. It's just how can I serve these people in the best possible way that, that I can? How can I leave them? Can, how can I impact them in such a way that they go away and become better in some way because I have spent this amount of time with them? Um, and so do you, but do you start with like a, you know, do you want them to leave with something? That's the heart of your message and then build around from there? Or, you know, I know you've got quite a few different talks that you do. Do you have those core talks that you've, you, and then just keep, working on them and making them better or are you constantly doing a new talk with a new key message that you're getting across yeah i i, I always my keynote my if you've never seen me before i have a keynote that is an introductory keynote it's like the well for want of a better word the wow keynote this is it's like this is this is the essence of joy this is this this is what i'm about it's the foundational keep stepping message from there, I often go on to, well, once I've sold in the keynote, I'll, I can often go on and do a workshop that follows on with a smaller amount of people that builds on that. But I wouldn't want to do the workshop without having done the keynote. I have done it the other way around, and that's fine. I can do it. Um, I prefer not to, but if that's the way around the client wants it, I, I will do that. I also have other, other things that I deliver. But if I just give you an example, at the moment, I have six new full workshops uh, for the day, like these full day workshops that I'm writing right now for clients. And these are things that I, I have sold in, um, but I'm writing now. So I sell and I write. This comes from the experience of writing lots of things in the, in the past and never being able to sell them. I don't do that anymore it's a waste of my time so when I know the client wants it I'll, I'll write it um, so I, I will write and it will have a particular emphasis on a certain uh, a certain side of self-management or self-leadership or self-mastery cool okay now we had a discussion at the start of our before we, we actually got into the the recording of this where we were discussing whether you were interactive now i have read quite a few testimonials about your speaking and i picked up that people were saying uh, that you made them very interactive and when we started you said oh no i i don't agree and i'm like but oh, yeah but i've seen you have people on stage you know so to me that's interactive but you were trying to play it down so let's let's just let's just unpick this because i've seen you do it like in person and on film so let's talk about your interactive presentations 
Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, in keynotes, that I suppose I, I do. I am interacting with key, keynotes. I do tend to get people on the stage usually when I'm wanting to raise the energy and keep people involved. Um, I I don't. Um, I very rarely plan an interactive session. It depends on who's in the room, and it depends how long I'm with them. Uh, so obviously if you're in doing a workshop session you can be more interactive and I tend to uh, I like to laugh with people you know people when when you've got when they've got their own out there they like to laugh at them basically uh, so it does it's an it's a game it's an energy changer so I think it's important to, to have that throughout the day uh, sometimes I'll just get them to stand up where they are and I'll do some kind of stuff on, on characters and that kind of thing um, but I, I mean, funny, I've never seen myself as interactive, but, <laughs> um, but I, I'll do what's needed for the room. That, that is the important thing for me. What is needed for the room? What do these people need right now? Often uh, audiences will come in a little bit scared, don't pick on me. I don't want to say anything, especially if you're in a training session. And you have to be wise to that. Uh, you don't want to pe put people on, 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 you know, you don't want to embarrass people. Uh, so 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 sometimes I'm, i might not even be interactive until the end of the day but sometimes they're ready for it it depends it really every audience is super different and i respect every single audience uh, but i like to have fun with them and i have been known to just say right i'm going to do something now and not know what i'm going to do <laughs> but experience tells you that you can do that um, and I think that is, it, well, you know, uh, anybody that's experienced in anything can, can, can change things at, 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 in a moment. Uh, and the experience will tell you that if you, <laughs> if you do enough of anything, you can do that. I think it does talk to a particular skill that you develop over time, you know, whether it's comedy or speaking or whatever, is, is that ability to read an audience. And to, you know, I always think sometimes of a speaker as a conductor in some way, you know, the audience is, 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 is like your orchestra and you've got to read when they need to be G'd up. So is that, does that feel right to you as well? Yes, it does. And, and, and you know, if uh, people listen, listening to this may think, oh yeah, it just comes naturally. Well, no, it, it doesn't actually. I'll tell you where it came from. I, I when, when my boys were little, uh, I've always been a singer, always been a singer. And uh, uh, my husband is a musician and singer too. And what I what I, I know is if you don't use the muscles in when you're singing, if you don't use them, you lose them. And I always, my, my husband and I used to lead the musicians' teams involved with the church for a long, long time. We were doing it on and off for 30 years. When I had the children, it didn't make sense for us both to come out um, and, and, and kind of look after the children. I just thought one of us will stay consistently and I, so I thought, I'll come out, look after the children, look after the boys, you stay consistently. And that's what I did. But to stay using my voice, what I thought I must do is, is I, I need to use it. So I joined an amateur sort of dramatic sort of musical society thing. And I did this for seven years. So I took a lot of lead parts singing and doing lots of things for years. But I happened to get the comedy parts, which is what I did. And I also did a two plays as well, which were straight comedy and won quite a few awards for those. So my working with an audience came from that of seven years of being on the stage and working in the audience. 
And I'll never forget one of the um, AV guys coming up to me and saying, I was taking this lead part and it happened to be, I think it was Showboat, but I was a grandmother telling the story from the stage and then becoming the young person, Queenie, in the play. In the, well, it was in the musical. So I was on stage most of the time. And he said, he said, I've never seen, he said, I do all these shows. And he said, I've never seen anybody change and work with the audience and build it dependent on how the audience reacts. He said, but you do. So I knew at that stage, I was already sensitive to the fact that audiences are different and you can build something and you have to learn with the feedback that you get. So that's where it comes from. It didn't just happen to me. I think that's exactly right. And I, with, with comedy, I mean, you, you've mentioned it as well. And it's something that obviously I bang on about. You have yeah. to, you have to read the audience because stuff doesn't work or, you know, and bizarrely you can get two audiences for the same show and they'll be, you're doing exactly the same thing. Well, you're not because you have to adapt, but they have a completely different reaction. They laugh in different places. It's bizarre, isn't it? It is. It is. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Now, you just mentioned your singing and, and comedy. So I wanted to ask you about that because I think it comes up that you do those in your keynotes. Uh, you know, how do, do you plan those in? Are they choreographed? Are they sort of planned or, or are they quite in, you know, in the moment as well? Um, no, I, I used to sing um, just unplanned and I think I will again. It just depends. I'll, I'll build things in. I've got all these ideas for all these types of things. Um, but uh, the moment where it is, is, is it, it is planned. Um, and uh, I, I would say it is planned. Um, I, I'm not going to say where it is because I would spoil it for a lot of people that book me. So, so, so it is very much planned and it's, it, it, it's, it's become a bit of a highlight. People remember it and they go, oh my gosh, they're not expecting it, which is great. Um, so they, they expect me, but they don't expect Jamaican, then they don't expect singing, and, they don't, and it's nice to have those ooh, ooh, ooh in there, um, which are also triggers for the emotional as well. Um, so, so yes, I, they are very much planned and a highlight. And also to show the audiences that I serve that I'm not just asking them to do something, that I'm willing to do things myself. So effectively, they're not just getting a keynote, they're getting cabaret at the same time, effectively. <laughs> Definitely Sorry. worth worth the money. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, not quite cabaret, but uh, <laughs> they're getting something. Now, I also want to talk about something that's happening, I think, this weekend coming up as, as we're recording. You mentioned the Professional Speaking Association earlier on in our conversation. And this weekend, you are going to become the president of the Professional Speaking Association in the UK. Can you tell me what that means and why you think, to, to you, and why you think people should be a member? Yeah, um, well, it's actually the UK and Ireland. Oh. Make sure I say it right, the UK and Ireland. Um, yes, uh, I, it is an absolute honor to be stepping into that role. See, I can get my branding into that. <laughs> <Stepping> <laughs> And, and I've had the privilege of serving as membership director for two years, just being able to put in new things like um, the referral scheme, the PSA insurance scheme, the new members day and revamping the new, new members packs and things. Hard work behind the scenes, but it's been really, really good. So to step in as president is, um, it's great. I, I, it's going to be a good year ahead and I've got to remember that because uh, it will be a busy time. 
because of course you have to run your business at the side of doing it so it's a voluntary role as well um, so I'm looking forward to serving uh, the, the speakers as well and having my my speech doing my speech on the Saturday night at the gala dinner I'm looking forward to that so yeah it's going to be a good year and who knows you know what it will hold I will visit some some places I'll visit all the regions in the UK I'll also visit Caps in Canada in Vancouver in December and NSA in uh, Denver next year Brilliant. I'm not sure about some of the others but yes I'm looking forward to it and so whether people are in the UK and Ireland or you mentioned Canada and, and America, all of the speaking organizations that exist, what are some of the benefits that people get if, you know, if they are a speaker or an aspiring speaker uh, to belonging in one of these organizations? It's a great place for, for speakers or aspiring speakers. It doesn't matter whether you've been speaker for a long time or, or somebody who's actually just starting the journey. It's a great place to meet other speakers who've been on the journey for a long time and to learn from them, sharing, sharing experiences with them as well. I found, certainly for me, it's enabled me to, to grow my speaking business, to hear things that I would not have been aware of. And I think it cuts your journey and, and it, it makes you, helps you on the journey, get, go on the journey faster, I think, because you hear things that you wouldn't necessarily hear outside of that organization so i think connecting with other people networking with other speakers is a good good thing and i think also it can help you to find who you are and and, and what you stand for and you you do need some kind of strength about you to to exist as part of it um, and get the best out of it it is not for the faint-hearted um, so i think you you have to know know yourself as well and that can take some time um, but once you've done that um, and being true to yourself is really really important and I think I'm true to myself <laughs> yes you are you're very very authentic but so let's just I just want to unpick that so when you say not for the faint-hearted does that come back to something that I heard you speak about uh, which is about the fact that it's competition or what what do you mean what do you could you just unpack that for me Yes, it's, um, if you imagine, there's a lot, a lot of speakers in the same place. Now, remember, we are all people that uh, are, you know, up front. We're on the stage all the time. People are looking at us. Uh, I think it can be, it can be a place where uh, it's just, you know, egos can start to rise. Um, it can be a place where people talk about what they're doing a lot. And then that's what they're there for. But just being in that kind of atmosphere, that it just being surrounded by that can be overwhelming to somebody who's trying to find out who they are, inspiring to be a speaker, trying to find their feet. You can feel as if you're not doing anything. You can feel as if you don't fit in. You can feel as if you, you know, you've just started, even though you've been going for 10 years. Uh, and you can feel as if you're not making it. Uh, and and it, and you know we are we do help each other but yes we are in competition with each other of course we want the same speaking you know uh, gigs and a lot of us speak on the same subject so so it's a place where we share and we 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 live together we share together we engage together but we yeah and some of some of us work together but it is a competitive field um and uh, i think that's worth remembering 
uh, it, it just is. <laughs> uh, so I think it's great that we share, um, but we are, we are in, in one sense competitors, yes. But I think what it does give you is well, that, that, that all those things you talked about help you to up your game. You, you, you begin to see where, where you are in the hierarchy and perhaps what you need to be doing better or different in order to stand out and, and to get more bookings, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you can see that. And, and, I, and I, I'm wondering whether, for me, the best thing that I, I could ever have done is to not think about not try and figure out well where do I fit in um, my biggest competition is myself I want to be better tomorrow than I was yesterday I want to be better next year than I what than I am this year that is just me I'm not comparing myself to anybody who's in it within the professional speaking association I admire them I, I learn from them it's great but you know what? They will never, ever, 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 ever have my mix of ability. And I will never, ever, ever have their mix of ability. Therefore, I am unique and I can stand out in my own right and in my own power. And I think that serves me well. And that's what people have got to find within themselves to make it. Basically, you've got to have yeah. that. You know, if you don't feel like that, then you're in the wrong profession anyway, <laughs> basically. Yes. Yeah, cool. exactly. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now, before we move on to, I've got some, some standard questions asked. So last question I want to ask you, again, putting you slightly on the spot. Okay. What, in your experience, what are the three best tips you can give speakers for getting more paid gigs? Ooh. So be consistent. Is, is the, you've got to be consistent in your desire. You've really got to want this. You know, <laughs> if it, You've got to want it <laughs> and you've got to want it so bad that you'll do what it takes to get there. So you've got to be consistent in, in, in your attack on this and in your, in your approach to this. And in being consistent, um, I don't know whether this is number two or a follow on, but no, let's say that's number, number one, be consistent. Number two, be prepared to do what other people won't be prepared to do. Uh, I, I was listening to somebody, I don't even know who the guy was, I was flicking through Facebook and this guy was saying, if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful, you can forget sleep, you can forget sleep. My husband was saying, who is this guy? And I was like, yeah, but John, how many sleepless nights have I had? <laughs> he was like, true. <laughs> um, you just got to be prepared to do what other people will not do in order to get what you want. Uh, not everybody is going to go to the lengths that you go, but not everybody's going to achieve what you achieve. So how far are you prepared to go? What are you prepared to do to get, you know, I know you're, you're a, a, an amazing comedian. Um, you're, you're amazing on, on, on stage. Uh, I hope I get the privilege of seeing you someday, but you're prepared to travel all the way up to, Edinburgh to do the fringe you do all sorts of things you put yourself out there a lot of people wouldn't do that uh, and that's why you're successful because you do what you do but a lot of people aren't prepared to do that and I would say the other thing you find in getting more business is you, you you've got to know where you fit you've got to know where you fit and I I, I do a lot of research into kind of why are people booking me? What, what is the reason they're booking me? And I ask loads of questions. Why me? 
why at this time what do you want me to do and my big question to them is how do you want people to feel at the end of it why are you booking me um, and they say yeah well we want this we want this we want this forget that how do you want them to feel um, because unless they feel something they won't go away and do something uh, you can't just change the head <laughs> it just very rarely happens um, so you've got to know you've got to know where you fit and what you're about and, and that's that i would say is possibly one of the most difficult things is to know where you fit and know where, what you're about so that you can sell that brilliant now that's i think so be consistent be prepared to do what others aren't prepared to do and 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 know yourself and i think there's an interesting parallel as i again i've mentioned it on the show before but i think it's worth mentioning again you're finding in comedy we talk about finding your persona yeah. And it's the same thing. Once you, I think is what you're saying, once you have that, then that's, that's your brand. That's, you, that's what you're selling. Um, yes. And it's, yes. it's hard and it doesn't come overnight sometimes. Sometimes it's something you, you know, you find as you move along. Yes. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. It evolves, but it only evolves with time and doing something and taking action <laughs> uh, and taking action in front of an audience <laughs> you know we are speakers and comedians <laughs> it, you have to have the audience to do it mm. uh, so yes yeah it's a, it can take time but all of a sudden i don't know what happens something happens and you think ah it's happening <laughs> and, I don't, and, and it takes you by took me by surprise like, it's happening um it's a wonderful thing for clients, customers to be coming to you. Uh, mm -hmm. is you're always reaching out to them and suddenly that will happen. And I don't know what the turning point is, but I think it possibly is a mix between you finding that place and enough people knowing about you. Brilliant. And those two together become something quite wonderful. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you to stand a question. So first one, what's the best thing speaking has done for you? Oh, it's allowed me to be me. Excellent. Like we were just talking about. And what, what's your, have you had a really bad gig? What, what's your worst gig? Oh, I would say my worst one would have been when I first started, I started with, um, um, students I did a lot of students uh as it as in secondary school age students and i loved working with them that was absolutely fine and at the time when i had always worked with adults at the same time but at the time when i was kind of doing the transitioning of thinking do i want to work with both i kind of a, i landed on this this particular booking and i remember it was in a, uh, a school in london and A, the first thing I did was I made the mistake of driving down to London on the morning. It was just, why? So I, I basically left all my energy on the motorway because I was like, oh, am I going to go there in time? Am I going to go there in time? And I arrived an hour before, which is how I arrived, and that was good. I arrived at the venue. I got to the venue, and as with a lot of schools, actually, they're, they kind of they don't have much space. They're not as organised as you'd like them to be. It's not like walking in and you've got this hotel room. It's, it's in the school. It's, you know, they're making do with what they have. The, at the front of the... I got sent to this room that I was going to be doing it in, and it was sort of split into two halves, but with no barrier. So the teachers were giving a kind of a talk to the students, sort of facing that way and my chairs were faced this way 
uh, and it was clear the room wasn't set up but it kind of they were using it basically so I couldn't kind of do anything test anything plug anything in because there was nobody there to help plug things in stuff like that so I was I was panicking thinking oh my gosh I want to get started and get set up but I can't and then I and so that was that wasn't helpful then I had oh and I think before that I had to wait into a room for about 15 minutes and 20 minutes and I was kind of like I've got here early I'm kind of I wasn't feeling great then I had the most awkward students oh my, God. <laughs> oh my gosh you no, can't she... see joy at the moment but she's got her hands all over her face <laughs> oh my gosh now i have to tell i have to say as well like, you know what students don't normally mess about with me you know normally it's kind of like joy's yeah. here yeah and i can normally engage a room and get the room under control and and it's fine but this particular day, they were just so rude, so out there, so not engaged. And it was a, it was a full day. Oh, I hated it. Uh, and I remember thinking, I remember thinking when I came out, I'm never going back to this. I don't care what they say. I'm never going to step foot in this school again. And it was the worst thing ever. And I just thought, are you is it schools that you still want to do? I mean, I still do do some students now, but only for those clients where I've been, um, I've had them for a long time. And actually my son, Charlie Marsden, he's, he's now uh, picking up the students because he knows my material very, very well. And he's, he himself is a, he's a, his star, he's a bit of a pro. So he's now picking up, but they keep stepping within schools, which is great. Um, but, but no, that was my worst one ever. And I felt, I, I didn't feel as if I'd served them very well. I didn't, you know, lots and lots of things sort of rising in me. I was thinking, no, 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 don't want to really go through that experience again. Was it, was it me? Was it them? Probably a mixture of both. Um, but that's my worst one ever. I, I, oh dear. Well, I'm sorry to make you revisit that pain. Because <laughs> man i just felt i felt for them i felt for but they were just 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 so rude just so not not in the room uh and they weren't set up for it they weren't do you know what i mean they weren't yeah, yeah. there was no, usually there's somebody in the room there as well nobody in the room it was just it was just just everything about it was bad and i remember it to this day as you can see through my excruciating <laughs> on my face no i just uh you want to serve and you want to serve well and when you don't don't when you don't do it I, it hurts you know? yeah absolutely so, yeah, that's my worst one okay thank you for sharing that and and what okay next question what's the one book you've read that's had the most impact on your life and why oh wow oh because I've, I've read lots of books all right okay the book I read every day might come as a bit of a surprise. The book I read every day is the Bible. That is the one book that has changed me as a person. It's the one book that I meditate on. It's the one book that I, uh, I use for direction. And it's the one book that I take everywhere with me. Brilliant. There you go. Oh, I like that. Do you are you systematic about reading it, or do you just sort of dip in, like open the book and see where the page opens? Uh, at the moment, I read every morning. Uh, I have a um, 
a little book um, called Faith to Faith, actually, that I, I, I read, which has uh, a little bit for that day. And it also directs you to a verse. So I'll read that verse for the day. Other times I might read a whole book uh, uh, or I might be reading the, the Old Testament for a particular reason. I'll just think, oh, I'll read this or I might be reading parts of the New Testament. It just depends. But it's something I, I read every morning. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. And uh, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever had and why? Best piece of business advice? Uh, ooh, I think this came from a mastermind group that I was in. And I was in that, it was a revelation to me. <laughs> it's a very simple thing. And the gentleman just said to me, it was Peter Roper actually, and he just said, Joy, you're not asking. I was like, hello? <laughs> he said, you're not asking for what you want. And I was like, gosh, he's right. I expect it to come to me. I want it, but I don't physically ask for it. And since I've started to ask, my biz business has come in from places that I would not have dreamed it could come from. But I asked. Oh, brilliant. So I started to ask, um, and that's, that's working really well for me because I'm generally not pushy anyway. Um, and when people, I work with quite a few clients where I am one of their top scoring uh, trainers or speakers. So I went back to them and asked, and they were like, oh yeah, we were, we were looking for other ways of working with you. Hello. <laughs> I've never thought about it at all. Um, but yeah, it just created an opening for them to say, well, of course. <laughs> and so money was on the table and I was like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a simple thing, but that's the best thing that I've, I've been told. Brilliant. Thank you for that. And then uh, the last question, if you could have one mentor, alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? One mentor. Well, that's, that's, that's a tricky one because I do have people who mentor me for different reasons. And they're none of them speakers or in the speaking industry, funnily enough. Well, if I could have met Zig Ziglar, I would have, I would totally have met him. I mean, I did go to something to hopefully meet him, see him on stage and he was too ill. He didn't, he didn't come. His daughter came and we did see him on video. It wasn't the same. <laughs> it wasn't the same. I would love to have met him in person. I would love to have met him in person. I have met Les, Les, uh, um, Les Brown, but I would love to have met Zig Ziglar. Cool. Um, yeah, but the, I, I loved what he stood for. I love that he stood for something. And I love that he spoke from the heart and I love that he came up with. And I think if anything I've taken away, he came up with, raw his material and that's what I love uh, I love to come up with my take on things my material and, and I love the fact that when I go in and deliver keynotes I am convinced I know for sure that what I'm going to share they will never have seen or heard I know that because it's mine so uh, and I think that's probably the best way to go Brilliant. Thank you. Zig Ziglar. I don't think we've had him before, but he is a big player in the, in the speaking oh, yeah. arena, you know, definitely smashing. Well, Joy, now look, I, 
I have to mention you've done the the interview and you're not well which is we've we <laughs> I'll, I'll be cutting out all the coughs but bless you you've done it and you're not on you're not on top form today so I really appreciate that you you sort of doing the interview and sharing all the wonderful things that you've shared um now if people want to um get your book to work with you where's the best place to go uh, they can go to joinmarsden.com which really literally actually only last week was revamped to some new new website uh, relaunched which is great uh so they can go to joymarsden.com from there you can you can find details about the book my, my one-to-one coaching my online course or you can get um you can get the book off amazon.com as well so yeah joymarsden.com will see you through everything brilliant and i'll put the links in the show notes to make it easy for you to get hold of uh, of the website and so on are you on social media joy i am i'm on the, the general so instagram twitter facebook linkedin uh, come find me youtube come find me i'm there. brilliant okay lovely well joy thank you so much again good luck uh taking over the presidency this weekend and uh have a you know i hope you feel better <laughs> and uh, thanks again thanks again for sharing your time and all of your wisdom you're welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on the show. Joy has a reputation for living up to her name. And even with a stinking cold, I think she delivered. I hope you got value out of the show and that it helps you become a better speaker. Go and say hi to Joy and tell her you heard her on the speaking club, either at one of the conferences that she's going to be attending or online. And as ever, I love to connect with you too. And you can find me on Twitter at, at SarahArcher15. Oakley Doakley, you have a smashing week. I said that to a Spanish guy once, actually, in, on an email, and he replied back that I could smash my week too. Anyway, don't forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts, and get cracking. Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharchard.co.uk.